Welcome to In the Hot Seat, Series 2 of the Hospo Health Podcast. I'm Sherry Ring, Chief Happiness Officer of the Tasmanian Hospitality Association and the lead coach for Hospo Health. We have some fantastic guests lined up again for this series, and we'll be getting their take on preventative health and wellbeing from a leadership perspective and what they personally do to keep on top of stress and pressure. Remember to check us out at www.hospohealth.com.au. Thanks for tuning in to In the Hot Seat. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Hospo Health Podcast. I'm Sherry Ring, the Chief Happiness Officer for the Tasmanian Hospitality Association. Today, back in the hot seat, is the, our CEO, Steve Old, and we're joined by Di Underwood. Di is the CEO of Colony 47. Morning, Hi. guys. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Steve. Hey, Di, CEO, amongst other things. She's worked closely with some of our previous guests, which would be interesting if we get some stories out, but we might have turned the recorder <laughs> off for that bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I usually start off with how I started my day, and I started with a gym session. I did legs today because I did pretty tough upper body session yesterday with someone in this room. Steve, what did you do this morning? <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> no, I, I did go to the gym this morning at five, but I was just very boring on the treadmill, doing a few Ks on the treadmill and stuff. So I was very boring and half asleep just watching the TVs, listening to a podcast as I do each morning when I'm there and um, waking myself up. So I think by the time I get home at about quarter past six, I'm actually awake. <laughs> oh, and I had a lovely sleep in because I was the person that Sherry did the upper body workout <laughs> with yesterday and I can't move my arms. I did about 20 chin-ups, which I'm very oh. proud of, Sherry. <laughs> Not sure I'd pump out one. To be they honest. were your best yet, Di. Very <laughs> impressive. Di, what does wellbeing mean to you? Yeah, well, it means probably a couple of different things. So in a personal sense, a wellbeing to me is actually going home and feeling really safe and comfortable um, and having my family particularly be happy and healthy. So that for me is all I want for my wellbeing outside of work. Uh, But professionally, it's really different. You know, I take a great lot of pride in what we do at Colony 47. And so that purpose really drives me and gives me energy to go on. And I need that for my well-being. I'm very achievement orientated. So I've got to have goals and I've got to be really busy and doing things. But it all comes back to that purpose. And if I've got that, I'm happy and well. That's a great answer and I know you're shaking it up at Colony as well and I love that you make the time and both of you actually, you both make the time for your own well-being and, and looking after yourself because it's so important as a leader and, and that's what people are seeing you do, yes. which basically tells them what they can do. Well, it's what we've talked about, isn't it? And, and Di's been in some really big jobs and, and different organisations and stuff and I'm sure Colony's a completely different probably makeup to, well, probably not Beacon, but probably yeah. Federals and other things that she's done before and stuff, but it is, to say, it's really important and it's just funny how all these podcasts we've done, it always does focus around family as well. Family, as yeah. we as you're starting to come out, family is the, uh, the big one for all the leaders we've interviewed so far, so... Yeah, absolutely. And what I find, and certainly as I grow in my role, this is the first time I've been a CEO, I've always been good at turning off and that's been the secret to my success in some really stressful positions. You know, I'm either on or off, which can be challenging. Mm. What I've learned as I've, you know, grown professionally is how to slow down in those moments where I can't turn off and, you know, breathing and mindfulness activities have started playing a big part in the way I manage that. 
every <laughs> single person we've been speaking to talks about meditation, yeah. breath work and mindfulness, which is amazing to see, you know, the CEOs and, and leaders taking this on because you know, obviously there's a lot of research to show that it is really effective for your nervous system and to relax your mind and body. I guess, you know, it's different things for everybody, but I love that the leaders are doing that. And Di, I guess you've got a really strong background in, in people and culture. You know, that must be great for you in, in the role that you're in. You, you obviously already realise the importance of well-being, you know, for your people. Yeah, well, it's it's really interesting because that's been my background for 30 years of my career is helping people flourish in organisations is the way I look at it. And there are di- very different types of people and culture. My emphasis has always been on change and I've always laughed about the fact that that's because I hate change. So to manage it is a really good place to be. And this is the, you know, not being able to turn off bit that I've really struggled with throughout my career and I've got a lot of help from um, particularly a mindfulness coach because every time I did mindfulness I'd fall asleep right? which is um, not the right thing and then she started saying to me what you need to do is put a gold star on something because every time you see that gold star it will remind you to stop and slow down and you should have seen some of my offices with the amount of gold stars <laughs> that I had everywhere and it didn't work. So, you know, I'm really aware of the things that people bring to work. I think that's what my background's taught me, that actually there is no work and um, then your personal life. They all impact one another. And it's really important, particularly at Colony 47, where we're dealing with lots of vicarious trauma yes. all the time. Yeah. We're dealing with some really serious issues and people love it. They've got strong values, uh, you know, a high sense of purpose purpose in looking after vulnerable young Tasmanians, um, but as a result can, can become pretty heavy. So this is a, a really big focus in our organisation, otherwise we just aren't sustainable. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that must be the toughest part, as you see, because it's not like some business where you switch off and go, I've got to go home and I'll deal with that issue tomorrow. Some of your issues you Got yeah. to, you've got to deal with it now it's, and then or whatever. It's real life and death yeah. stuff, um, particularly in our residential areas. You know, we've got Colville Place, which is for 12 to 15-year-old young people, and it's for crisis accommodation. And what we often don't hear in the media is the, these are young kids who have no adults around them and they're by themselves, and what we're providing them is with a roof over their head. But, of course, as you would all know, what they need is so much more than that, and that's what becomes really heavy um, around how you can get them out of that as quickly as possible. And, gee, that'd be hard as a staff member to switch off to that and go off and have your nice warm home and warm bed and loving family. Yeah, and I suppose you know maybe two years ago we were having huge amounts of burnout and turnover at mm. Colony 47 for those reasons. So, you know, we've done a lot of work in that area. Really happy to say we've got no turnover, not one vacancy at the moment. We've just done an engagement survey and we've got 88% engagement. And, and you guys is, do a lot around fun and connection yeah. and happiness and which would be so important in your industry. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we kind of have this list of six values and... They, uh, unlike, you know, I've been in organisations where they're the usual trust, respect, integrity, ours are nothing like that. So, you know, our first one is, you know, we put people first and that includes ourselves. So, you know, we often talk about putting the oxygen mask on ourselves first before helping others, but making sure that everything we do, we've got those young people at the centre of all of our decision making. We talk about being engaging we want to do things with people, not to them. Yep. And that's really important. Creating and leading a legacy. 
you know, what are we going to do now, which means sometimes we make really unpopular decisions that are important for those vulnerable Tasmanians, but that's where we get our energy from, I think, in the organisation. Learning and growing, you know, my favourite, which is grounded and real because it allows me to be myself. <laughs> Every, Your very big personality. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. that's right, which I've, you know, in, in the corporate world maybe doesn't come across too well, <laughs> but hey, I'm being grounded and real, so suck it up. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of my attitude for that one. And the last one, healthy, healthy happy and having fun. So we use that as a tick list for all decisions we make around the exec team table. And I think that has really helped us with our in- engagement with our staff and set a really strong culture. It's fantastic. And the results are shown. Yeah, they are. I mean, the fact that... You know, no we, turnover. That's no huge. turnover, which wasn't the case. But what we do know is we've got to keep on it because yeah. it yes. can change really quickly. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, psychological safety. We've done a lot of research with um, different universities to how we can provide those safe workplaces for our people. And... We kind of talk about it as a, you know, how do we create a speak-up culture, which is very different from a call-out culture. We want to be, you know, ahead of the game really proactively, listening to people who say, you know, I'm not feeling well today or I don't think this is quite working. We're not getting the right outcomes in this program. You know, that kind of speaking up rather than a real adversarial reactive kind of calling out things culture. And I think we can do better in that space around creating that safety for people to do that. But that's what we're working on at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I've said others before, I head to my shack with my family is my getaway place. If I'm starting to feel a bit overwhelmed or whatever, I know when I go to my shack, it just as soon as I'm on that drive, I switch off, etc. Do you have a place that you go to, without telling us where, but do you have a place where you go to or that, that's where yeah. you switch off? I'm happy to tell you where to. So it's my shack as well. So it's at Swanick at Freysenay on yep. the, um, fra- uh, the Freysenay Not far from me. Yeah, you know, it's it's the most beautiful part in the world, isn't yep. it? I'm a beach person. I have to see water. Um, Another Amy. <laughs> I um this place that we've got is is our is, is our spiritual home. You know, my family, my George and I got married there. You know, oh. it was it's you know a place where my babies have been and now they're grown up and they've started to come back now with their yeah. friends, which is beautiful. But I remember George when the kids were younger saying, "You've got two rules at Swanick." If you're hungry, you eat, and if you're tired, you sleep. Um, and that <laughs> kind of sums it up. That's all we do there. Yeah. Is eat and sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's just a really, you know, we don't have a TV there. We don't have a clock on any wall. And we just really get back to grassroots and um, I just love everything about it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's it's an amazing area. And the drive's half the the fun. As soon as you pack the car, or you pack that much if you've got the shop, as soon as you head, it's just that feeling of, oh, we can't get up to ours enough. That's my only issue. Yeah, and that's, you know, controversially, I'm going to say this is what I don't like about shack owners from Orford. It's too close. You know, like there's that issue that, (laughs) yeah, it takes us longer to get there and we might not get there as a result as often. But that drive, that two and a half hours is just gold yeah. to really remove you from Hobart. Yeah. Ken, I right. love going to Bishno and just knowing that I can wander the streets other than one of your previous boss, Scotty Harris, who's got a place not far yeah. from me. But I can go up there and wander along in my daggy shorts and T-shirt and not bump into anyone of a weekend and stuff. Yeah. Couldn't care if I did, but I just it's my out and I don't care. And I love it because you say once you get away up there, um, yep. you just don't want to 
come back. But. That's yeah. right. And I, I suppose just very quickly, I have this story. My family and I, over a couple of gins around the fire, George and I decided we needed to go on a grown-up gap here. So we, it was our year of disruption. The kids were 9 and 11 at the time. We went. We lived in Bali for six months and then through Europe for four and a half and then we flew back to Perth, Got it, bought a car and caravan, came a long way home. We were supposed to be homeschooling. We weren't very good at that <laughs> um, through the, that whole time. But I remember we arrived back in Tassie after about 13 months and we got back into the house and did all that stuff. And then we looked at one another and go, oh, let's go to Swanwick for a couple of weeks before the kids start school. Our neighbours are like, seriously, you've been away for a year. <laughs> but the most amazing thing was the kids and I were walking along Muir's Beach and Aloise, my daughter, said at the time, why do we go away? This is the best beach we've been on all around the world. And um, and that for me was just gold, yeah. you know, when you can come back and know mm. that we are in a very special place and they actually appreciate that. And we I think when you travel a bit more, you realise how yeah. we do become a bit complacent about Tassie and go, oh, it'd be better going to Blah. But I yeah. think once you go out and you come back, you actually just realise how good Tassie is. It's like when you go to Melbourne or Sydney, it's great to go there for a day or two at work, but there's nothing yeah. better than getting on the flight home. Absolutely. And we've definitely got the most beautiful coastlines in the world. Yeah. The water could be a little bit warmer. <laughs> yes. You don't have to swim in it. <laughs> no. Um, we started Hospital Health about November last year, and it's been a great initiative, and we've done a raft of things you know, in preventative health and wellbeing. But and I think you've sort of answered this already, by Di, but tell us a bit about your workplace and what sort of programs and process, processes you put in place for health and wellbeing. Yeah, so after the engagement survey results, as an example, we kind of got them back and went, wow, that's pretty good. And um, my chair, Norm McElfatrick, who's just an amazing fella, turned to me and he goes, Don, you know, there's only one way from here. <laughs> <laughs> so keeping it grounded and real, Norm. And I just went, yeah, right. So how am I going to actually manage this? So... We've actually put all the results out to the teams and, and given them the challenge to say, you know, what are the things that are important to you and your staff? And they're actually really different depending on what part of our organisation you work in. We've got some teams who are saying professional development is the key, um, you know, how we grow them in the organisation. But there are teams who set up a wellness room, as an example, with yoga mats and it's, you know, fairy lights and it's a lovely place for them to go get a bit of zen when they need it. Uh, we, we do a lot of work on culture. So what does culture mean to you? We call each other out in the nicest possible way around our values and making sure we're hitting those. And, you know, things like people saying to me, we, we talk about supporting young people in Tasmania, but we don't hire a lot of young people from an entry-level perspective. So we went, yeah, we should walk the talk. So we've started looking at different ways to attract and recruit entry-level positions for young people. And then working with young people is the most fun thing. That's why we're all there. We've changed our PDs, you know, key selection criteria, must love working with young people. But as a result, when you've got them in the workplace, you learn so much and different things. So mm. that's, you know, we, we do lots of walking clubs. You'd be happy, Sherry. I was <laughs> going to wear my, you know, black dog uh, T-shirt that we won last year. We did big fundraisers and lots of walks. We've had Sherry come in. We've all got stand-up desks, which are really important. But it is, as Sherry, you said before, leading by example. Yes. So when you take Angela Rabbit and I out to smash us at the gym, you know, people see us getting ready and taking that time out. And I think that's what's really important. Work Working from home flexibility is also important. We've 
lent in a lot to what that means to different people and supporting those flexible initiatives in the workplace. So I guess, Di, looking into the future, how do you see our workplaces changing over the next five to ten years? The the last few years have been a dramatic change for all of us and as hard as COVID was and particularly for, you know, for this hospitality industry, how do you think it's going to change positively? Yeah, so I think the... The, the trend which everyone's really struggling with at the moment is around the fact that now employees have a duty to protect the mental health of their workers. And, you know, what does that mean? And if I kind of think about this a lot, it's actually turning those wellbeing initiatives from a HR issue into more of a WHS Yes. way of managing it. So, and I feel like I'm dissing my old profession and I'm not here because I actually understand it, but HR is always about being reactive. So after the fact, someone's mentally unwell and they've, you know, they've got a workers comp claim. So HR comes in and reactively tries to work out why. Yep. In the future, it's going to be about employers needing to really put in the risk mitigations and be proactive ahead of the game. And, and this is really important to us in the not-for-profit sector now. You know, where we're at with indexation from government and less government money to go around to support people and increasing need, you could actually sit back and just continue to load up your employees, which is not safe. And there's the vicarious trauma that we have to consider. So how do we as an industry, which is the fastest growing industry in in Tassie now, the care sector, how do we look after our employees, but do it from the get-go? And this, it's a slight change, but I think there, there's a few things that will change. So how we respect one another at work and include people is going to be really important into the future. I think some really open and honest leadership is also important. So less hierarchical, more um, transparency yeah. in the way we manage our people. Good job design. You know, which is a HR issue, which is never really dealt with well. I mean, how many people pick up their PD? You know, yeah. how many people, you know, reflect on what they're doing every day? And for us, actually, that re- that the way that translates is if you're not having an impact and getting good outcomes, just stop doing it. Yeah. So prioritising your mental health. You know, yeah. that's a big thing. And I went to an ARCD, um, Australian Institute of Company Directors Breakfast, the other day where um, the amazing Connie DeGolis, who's the head of the Mental Health Council of Tasmania, was talking about, you know, how boards need to be cognizant of mental health initiatives in their workplaces. And really it's about, again, acknowledging that it's not – it's the same as a broken leg. You could break your leg at footy on the weekend and you put in a return-to-work program for that person at work – the thing with mental health is it can happen outside of work and just be exacerbated at work and yeah. it's really hard to distinguish. So how do you manage that differently yeah. um, is the way I think. You can't manage it the same way as a broken leg it, but lean into the same way. So, okay, you're not feeling okay. Call it out when you're not. Tell us what you think you need to be able to be better at work which requires a lot of trust and good people managers. And all of my career I've felt vulnerable because I'm not a technocrat and I'm not very good at detail, but I've got some good people skills, <laughs> if I can say so myself. Um, and, and I've always felt that that is not something that I could ever put on a CV or talk about. But 
you know, the, the older I get, I go, actually, they're the only skills that matter mm. yes. in the workplace is how you actually read the room and manage your people and be really respectful, inclusive and do those things. So I think that's the change that we're going to see more and more. So people with those real affiliative, you know, kind of I want to relate to people skills are actually going to have their heyday. Yeah, I agree. And also vulnerability is huge. Yes. And that's exactly what Steve has been doing at Tasmanian Hospitality Association, which is what the HOSPO Health is all about. It's it's preventative rather than reactive. Absolutely. And, and we've got some great experts like Professor Angela Martin and we've got Larissa Bartlett and a, a myriad of people working with us to, to provide that for the whole industry, which is incredible. Well, and part of it is just like we are with Diana, it's just starting the conversation. I mean, it's just getting people on there, telling us their journeys, what they've done, et cetera, because they said I'm no expert in not many fields, to be frank with you, but the one thing we looked at is going, hospitality had a raft of issues, but we're not uh, unique. There's a lot of other industries, a lot of other places, workplaces, and as I said, Di talking about Colony and what they go through is amazing and what they have to deal with every day and stuff. Every, every, you know, and to dom the cricket with professional athletes, et cetera, everyone's got their own challenges. It's just how they deal with it. But the bit that's got me out of all these podcasts is just how, as I said before, our leaders are actually already addressing this. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think if we can keep talking this message and, and getting it out there, and as we've said, it's um, let's not shy away from it. It's an issue that's, yeah, it's probably our biggest issue going forward after COVID. Yeah. And look, what I also think, you know, there's not much of a difference between what my team do and what the hospitality industry do you know the shift work dealing with people all the time meeting people with where they're at Mm. is really important and they're they're not dissimilar issues in a lot of our industries which means our staff are carrying a lot all of the time so you know how do you take the lid off and let them blow a bit of steam yeah that's right and which we've done that it's amazing because the hospitality industry is massive but by creating the influences and and creating that case study it's been amazing to be able to find out what they want which is exactly what you've been doing with your staff so i might handball over to you steve for the quick fire five yeah we like to get the quick fire five and see what Mm. interesting answers we get and so die i expect that we're going to get some interesting ones here from die i know we've had some crackers from uh some others but i've got a feeling die is going to throw me some good ones here so oh (laughs) pressure okay (laughs) right die so the vegetable you like the least oh sweet potato Oh, different. No one said that yet either. So. It's not green, so that's all right. No, I love everything green. I love a good Brussels sprout, sweet potato. Oh, there you that, go. Well, that's my hate. So anyway. <laughs> Guilty pleasure? Uh, Adasha and Fisher Ocean Gin with Fever Tree Tonic. I am so high maintenance with that. Jeez. <laughs> a little Impressive. bit high maintenance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what song gets you moving? Uh, at the moment, it changes often depending on my mood, but I'm into a bit of Akadaka, so I'm into Backing Black at the moment mm. is my um, song on the way to work. Air guitar and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't drive too close to die. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> what, what makes you happy? Oh, I'd have to say Georges. That's my husband, George. Um, I My happiest moments are where George and I are just laughing our heads off in amazement at the amazing or horrible things our children do. Um, <laughs> um, and it could be either or on any given day and it just makes me happy kind of. We, we just sit there going, oh, my God, how did they turn out like that? Or aren't they... Amazing, they must get it from me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One thing in your life that you are really grateful for? I think I've learnt a lot at Colony 47 about how at any point in our lives we might need others to help us. 
you know, people often assume at Colony we're only dealing with people who are, you know, the rough sleepers who um, have severe mental health or AOD issues. But in fact, the majority of people who come to see us at a point in their life have had things go wrong and they need the community leading and leaning and help them. And I suppose what that's resulted in for me is making me feel really privileged that I've had people who prefer me and care about me and love me in my life. And I'm talking about, you know, from mum and dad, my sisters, you know, and my extended family, and particularly with George, Eloise and Louis. Yeah, good answer. I know we'll get a yes out of this one, but before we wrap up, I've got to put a challenge to you, as I do for everyone, for all the leaders out there. So in November, we're going to have a bit of a competition. I think you got to be right into this, Di. There's a lot of teamwork. <laughs> there's a lot of problem solving, but mostly there's a lot of fun. It's on no the twenty second. No, this is on the twenty second <laughs> of November up at Swisher. Can we count you and your team in? First, I'll ask: Do I get the opportunity to compete and smash Dom Baker? <laughs> Simple answer is yes, because I think he said similar. So the, so the challenge is out there. So I've got a feeling it could be a two team race here, yes. as in others just watch the cricket Taz and Colony sides go. But I, I, yes, Dom did throw out the thing to say: If Di was in, we're in. Okay, yeah, no, I'm there too. I love a good competition. Uh, can't wait, Steve. It'll fantastic. be fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Well, look, thanks, guys. It's been a fantastic chat today. Thanks so much, Di. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Thanks, Di. (laughs) The HOSPO Health Program is brought to you by the Tasmanian Hospitality Association. I'm Sherry Ring. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, and I'll catch you next time.